Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Hey fellas, welcome back to Man Challenge, the digital edition. Uh, Thanks for joining us, whether you're watching on Vimeo, you're listening on podcast, wherever you're doing it, I'd encourage two things. One is to get the word in front of you, not just to listen to this, but to um, use your own eyes to, to look uh, at God's written words here um, as you listen to them, but then two is make sure that you are pursuing your, your group, your community, and processing um, what God has for you in his word alongside other men and authentic and intentional relationships. Last week, we started John 16 talking about who the Holy Spirit is. This week, Jesus, continuing in his final discourse, uh, his, his departing words, if you will, um, talks a little bit about uh, sorrow and joy. And so that's what we're going to look at is, is Jesus's words in John 16, um, verses 16 through 24. Tony, would you read all of those verses for us? 16 to 24. Uh-huh. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? Uh, We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted uh, to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because of her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Amen. So let's jump jump right into the text. First couple of verses, 16 to 18, uh, Jesus says, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And essentially the response of the disciples is confusion. (laughs) They're just perplexed. They're asking each other like, what? What did he say? That doesn't make Mm -hmm. a ton of sense. Um, But this is a theme all throughout the gospels Mm -hmm. as the disciples interact with Jesus is some level of confusion, which I think honestly should give us some 
rest yeah. as we wrestle with confusion <laughs> with the Lord. And, and, and like, it also proves so much of the authenticity of the words. Yeah. The disciples do not try to hide about how lost they were or their frailties or their lack of understanding. They just This is what happened. Right. I mean, we didn't have a clue what was going on. And it's the disciples who wrote this. Like, Jesus yeah, didn't write them out. These guys yeah. are like, hey. Yeah. Very self-deprecating, really <laughs> leads you to think it's truthful, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that can be true of us as yes, followers yeah. of Christ, mm. as people who are maybe interested in learning about who Christ is. We read these words and it can feel foreign, ancient, or mm-hmm. even, even confusing. When was a time in your life uh, in which you were confused by God or about who God is? Well, like you said, I think last week you mentioned that uh, I went through a civil war. Mm. And I don't want to gross you up at all, but... Um, we walked for a year. And when you At, say that, you, you literally mean... We literally walked. mean walking from here to California to just give you a picture of it for one solid year, fighting, killing, and what have you. And to stand there and watch young men gang-raped a woman where I'm helpless and everyone in there helpless. These young kids have the power because they have guns. Where is God? Mm. Where is my God when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you? Mm. And I was just dumbfounded. So I started selectively reading the Bible I started reading Habakkuk, but the chapters where he's angry, Jeremiah, especially Jeremiah 20, when he said, you deceived me. I accepted that for myself. I did it so, yes, so many times. My little girl had staph pneumonia and the doctors told her in Africa, in Liberia, Tony, go home, your daughter is going to die. You see, these disciples, when you start reading the letters, when you start reading the gospel, when you are in the fire, you don't even feel it at times. This is why Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't we put three men in there? That's always in your life, Mason, in your life, Christ, in your life, men, there's always a fourth man. Hmm. And that is the son of man. So when, when you were in your, your darkest moments, and your darkest moments are m- much darker uh, than, than I think Mason and I can relate to, like it took you to God's word. I think a lot of people would, would have a moment like that and it would take them away from God's word. What, were you a believer at that time? Yes, I was a believer. It took me to God's word, but selfishly. You're saying when you went to Habakkuk and Jeremiah, you found the parts where Habakkuk and Jeremiah are giving God the what for. Exactly. And <laughs> not when yeah. they're talking about God's justice. No, and, no. Okay. And, and, and so, yes, at that time, I'm confused. Sure. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I am a guest here to America, to the American people, and I'm grateful to God for that. And so, but when I see the, uh, the, the protests, when I see all the things that are going on, I'm just baffled, uh, 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 watching from where I came from and from where I am, I'm confused, God, what's going on? And when I see the COVID, where innocent people, 200,000 human beings have died. Uh, my pastor Kyle, when I see him in tears, 
this is where God is taking all of us. He has taken the crutches away from us. And there's no, we, we cannot, we cannot depend on the U.S. government. We cannot depend on the Chinese government. There's no government in the world that have solution to this problem. The only solution is up and nothing else. And mm -hmm. so, Mason, when you say confused, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Even now. Yeah. And what I, I appreciate in that is the humility on yeah. your part yeah. um, earned, I imagine, but yeah. to pursue patience. Right. Yeah. And and what I and in this passage in particular, you see Jesus, uh, in verse nineteen it says Jesus saw. Yeah. They wanted to ask him about this, yeah. and and he said to them. So Jesus sees yeah. the confusion, engages. We learn in First Peter five that he cares about those mm -hmm. things. And yeah. to your point, Tony, yeah. we see that he cares so much yeah. about our confusion, even if we don't have the capacity to comprehend yeah. that he would die in our place. Yes that he would bear our grief, yeah. that our sorrow might be turned to joy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I, I think to start, the, every man yeah. at some point, whether we would, would see you know, something as heinous yeah. and as dark as what you've seen, but every man at some point is going to be perplexed, yeah. confused. You, you might be numbing yourself a little bit, hiding from it. But when it comes to the questions of life, at some point... Uh, there's confusion. Circumstances don't line up um, with, with the way that your worldview suggests that they should. And what we can see quickly right off the bat today is in your confusion and your perplexity, we've, we've got, think about just guys we've talked through with COVID. Yeah. yeah. We've got guys who have lost jobs. Yeah. We've got guys yeah. who have lost loved, one, loved ones. Mm. Um, I, I can think of guys who's, who have family members who are living destructive, horrific, difficult lifestyles. We've got guys fighting addiction. Is God good? Yes. How does that line up with these circumstances? Yeah. It is confusing. It is. But what I would urge you to see first and foremost as we dive into yeah. God's turning sorrow into joy is that Jesus knows. He sees you, brother. He cares and he's going to engage in that. So he sees confused disciples. It, it, just, just to put a button on that, uh -huh. there is no more unjust thing that has ever happened than what happened to Jesus. And we're going to really dive into that too as he... And that's not to minimize anybody's hurt or pain or, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. we, we, we have our hope in a Savior who was brutalized in a, in a way that, 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 that none of us ho hopefully will ever know. I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, who said that uh, when Christ called a man, he bades him come and die. Mm. And, and, and so, and like Mason said, we're coming to the joy, but you have to pick up the cross first. And I think what we, well, I'll read the verses because we're going to yeah. dive first into yep. the sorrow. Yeah. Because yeah. sorrow exists, we need to talk about that yeah. some. But yeah. um, 16 verses 20 to 22, Jesus says to his disciples, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her, pa her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, yeah, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So for context here, we, we don't wanna take Jesus's words and just apply them to anything we want, right? So Jesus is talking to his disciples 
and he's being very specific about what Burke just hinted at. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die a horrific, painful death, and it is going to confuse and baffle you in a way you've never been perplexed prior to. But then I'm going to come, I'm going to return, and there's going to be joy. And so he, he talks about two concepts here. We've, we've already looked at how he interacts with confusion, but Jesus um, tells his disciples, but we can perceive in, in our walk in life that we too are going to experience sorrow and how he's going to turn that to joy. But first, Burke, you will weep, lament, Mourn, you will be sorrowful, you will grieve. There is anguish like childbirth. We're all going to experience sorrow. <laughs> and this is one of the massive questions of humanity. Why does sorrow exist? Well, uh, Tony, one thing, you know, you and I are just getting to know each other. One thing uh, you'll learn about me is I like taking cheap shots. So uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like, Mason, as a Kentucky football fan, you should probably speak on sorrow just because it's – Really, the, it's the really worst, what you sign up the for. The worst part about that is you're just so right. <laughs> it is, I had a conversation at the office this week that was like, we, <laughs> we've been here. And just so you all know, this recording, whenever it's happening. We're a couple of weeks like after. We're but disgustingly. You know, in Kentucky football, yeah, sorrow. And I'm imagining it's only going to have been worse by yes, the time you've watched right. this. Probably 0-4 as we speak with a loss to Tennessee. <laughs> Look uh, on the bright side. Anyway, back to scripture. Real, real uh, sorrow. I Where needed, does real sorrow I needed to lighten the mood there. That was sure. a cheap shot. Well, yeah. I'm pretty good at it. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, you know, Genesis 3, we, we see the fall of man. And this is one of those, if you have not read the book of Genesis, read the book of Genesis. You will go, that's in the Bible? Like, yes, it is. I mean, from start to finish, the book of Genesis is a, is a page turner. Mm -hmm. um, but after the fall and after the confession of, of uh, Adam and Eve, in Genesis 3.16, God is speaking. And to Eve, he says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to a child. Your desire will be for your husband, and, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not have eaten. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Mm -hmm. And he goes on, and essentially sorrow is birthed. Yeah, and you said, you said as a result of the fall. But for a guy who, you know, fall is yeah. like a time of year to them. Yeah. What is the fall? The fall is when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God, right? They were tempted by, by Satan. They fell for his scheme and they, they disobeyed God. He had, he had offered them all there was for the earth except for the one tree of knowledge and they chose to, to eat from that fruit. And the consequences of that is sorrow that we still see uh, so prevalent in our society today, mm -hmm. um, and um, the world has fallen. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a. We see it in our environment. Mm -hmm. We see it in the decisions of man. Mm -hmm. um, but fortunately, we serve a a, a holy God who is good. Yeah. Well, and, and a couple of things I think we should catch from that. Kyle mentioned this at our live man challenge. Is um, when we see the the strife of the world, we we shouldn't be surprised. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be burdened. Mm -hmm. But this shouldn't be news to us that a utopia doesn't exist because sorrow is a direct result of sin. God, God said that clearly all throughout the Old Testament. He says it after Christ has come mm -hmm. that a result in our sin, it impacts us and our relationship with the Lord. But Proverbs make very clear that our sin impact our horizontal relationships with our wife, with our coworkers, with our brothers, with our kids, with our friends. Uh, 
sin leads to this strife, this sorrow. But in those same couple of verses, Tony, it says, uh, as a result of something, (laughs) no longer will you remember your anguish. You will have joy. You will rejoice. No one will take away your joy. So specifically, Jesus to the disciples here, and then we'll kind of broaden it to you and I as Mm -hmm. men in the 21st century. Uh, How is it that Jesus is promising sorrow and then joy? First of all, going back to Chris's point is that Adam and Eve chose. Mm. Um, And all men, all of us, that's what happened, the decision we make in our lives. Um, I usually, when I preach from Joshua 7, I said, sin is not your own business. It affects you. It affects those around you. It affects the whole church because we are one body. First of all, Messiah don't die. This is what the disciples are thinking. Mm-hmm. Messiahs don't die. No. You, they, they come to redeem. They come to conquer. I think Pastor Kyle talked about that. You know, they were not expecting uh, uh, Jesus to come and just fold, go to a cross, die a brutal death. No. You see, this why And Judah said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting my cut right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting my money and going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and then take off. But then it is within that same context. And in, in fact, the beauty is uh, you find that in Luke 24 uh, on the road to Emmaus, when the two men, is, are you the only one in Jerusalem that have not read the Washington Post or the Jerusalem Post? <laughs> and you know what's been going on? He's the only man that knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, no. And in fact, there's a, a line that says, we thought he was it. See, John the Baptist, go ask. Is he the one mm-hmm. or should we be looking for something? So no one was expecting this and there comes sorrow. But then Jesus is still telling them there's hope, there's light at the end of the tunnel, like, like you say here. Yeah. So don't give up in a little while. And this is why, uh, men, my wife and I have four kids. You know the reason why? Because she didn't remember the first pain, the second pain, the third pain, and the fourth pain. So that's how you, you get to have more children because your wife doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, the, yeah. That, yeah, that sorrow, that, that childbirth, it brings a fruit of joy. And in this context, I mean, how is months- Jesus going to bring Oh, what are you going to say? No, eight months ago, with you, you, you experienced that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Rushing to the hospital. I mean, it was tense. Mm-hmm. But when you, uh, I have to give this quote. The Hindi saying that when you were born, you cry, they laugh. Mm. So live in such a way that when you die, you will laugh and they will cry. Wow. I, will you just start writing these down? <laughs> <laughs> They're written down somewhere. They're written down somewhere, yeah. <laughs> But in, in this context, so we've got this sorrow, yeah. but then Jesus promises joy. He joy, says you're going to rejoice. Joy is coming. But again, going back to what uh, Chris said, and when you ask the question about confusion, you're, you're walking for a year. You are not thinking about joy at the end of the tunnel. You, it, the Messiah going to die? You know, Mark 8, Jesus, I mean, Peter called him aside. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't do this. Yeah. You know, our life depends on this. And Jesus said, I know. That's why I'm going to die. Yeah. But there's joy. And this has never happened before. Even though they have read it in the Old Testament and we read the Bible, but at times it does not take roots. Yeah. Really, you know, believable roots 
until we see and say, wow. And even after the restoration, some didn't, uh, Thomas, remember, you know, yeah. the great Tom theologian 20. Thomas, until I touched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. But the, the joy comes from where then? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel for the these guys specifically? The joy comes when they find, you remember, again, Thomas, my law and my God. Yeah. And Jesus said, blessed are those who, did, who have not seen, yet they believe. So there where the job comes in, when you finally come to realize you are nothing without him, wow. you are nothing without his death, his burial and resurrection from the grave. There where the job comes in. So the joy for the disciples yeah. and, and for believers today Amen. is directly a result of the resurrection. Yeah. And in their case, their sorrow comes because Jesus has to die. In our case, sorrow is just a derivative of sin. Yeah. It was in, in Jesus' death as well. Yeah. True. But at a broader scale, yeah. we see sorrow, but then joy, our joy is a direct result of the resurrection. And if we believe yeah. that Christ had paid for our sins and reconciled us to the God that we had abandoned in yeah. our sin. This is, this is a theme you see all throughout scripture. You mentioned Genesis earlier. Genesis 37 through 50 is the story of Joseph. Yes. In fact, I wanted to follow the God. You wrote that here, Mason. Uh, uh, he's what? Jealousy in the family. Yeah. He's putting in the well. And God take him out of the well, uh, part of the house. He's in jail. He's in fields. And he goes back. He said, you meant this for evil. That was the original intent. Yeah. But God turned that for our good. And then Romans. Uh, Sounds like a good song. It's <laughs> a good worship tune. Yeah, you know, Romans 8, 28. I mean, it, it's, it, this is the application. Again, the whole 8 is about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, in fact, in verse 26, he helped us to pray. He explained our prayer to the Father. Uh, Romans 8, 28, everything, not some, but everything worked together for our good. Yeah. Because that's why, for our good. And God is working it, not me working it. Uh, if I work in it, I think it was Blaise Pascal, Pense. Mm -hmm. He said that God made us in his image. We are now returning the favor of making him in our image and likeness. Hmm. And there where the problem comes. When we've got to tell God. Who to be. No, what good it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure we catch this, men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the disciples, grief is going to turn into joy yes. as a result of Jesus' resurrection. So too, for anyone who believes in him, will their sorrow turn to joy. It happens with Joseph in Genesis 50. Yeah. Uh, it's promised through the Spirit and Paul and Romans 8 that anything that has happened to you is redeemable. It doesn't Amen. mean that anything that happens is Amen. good Amen. or is, Amen. is um, directed by God, but the God of the universe, and here's why, Verk mentioned this earlier, the worst thing that has happened in humanity, the history of the human race, is when God put on flesh, came to us to save us, and we killed him. Yeah, amen. Brutally. Brutally. That's, that's the, the worst thing that has ever happened is our only hope, and we nailed him to a tree. But God, who can redeem and bring life out of all things, Use that to be the greatest work of redemption, the reason that the church exists, the reason that we have hope in any situation, the reason that any sorrow has hope of being turned into joy is because God took the greatest sorrow and turned it to the greatest joy for all. 
So as you look at your circumstances, your situation, your sorrows, I'm not promising prosperity. Don't hear that, yeah. that, that God's going to take yeah. your job loss and give you a better job. I'm saying he can use it for good as he determines and defines it, not as we do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And a quick example, I think that's going to stop meeting at Southeast if you're in that. But, you know, I don't know you uh, how many campuses we have we? 12 now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in the midst of COVID, what are we doing? We're not sitting on our hands. We are expanding. We are taking advantage. Hmm. It is to our advantage uh, uh, with COVID, with all the sorrow that is going on, the church is bringing joy. Uh, uh, someone was just telling me in Nigeria, one of our partners, I mean, the way the gospel is expanding in northern Nigeria among Muslim people. It's, it is just, so it is through sorrow, it is through struggle, it's through pain that we find joy. Uh, Philippians 3, 10 to 13, Paul said, in everything I have learned to be content. And that contentment, yeah. I think, is, um, can elude both the Christian and the non-Christian yeah, at times. So I kind of want to ask a little bit about that. Yeah. Is, uh, I'd say... For a Christian, Burke, the guy who believes in Jesus, who says, I, I trust in him, yet I'm not seeing circumstances line up with a God who tells me he's good. How do we reconcile that? What would you hope that that man can understand about sorrow and joy for a guy who's on, on the team? And that's a little bit of a... Yeah, no, no, you know me. I like, I like my shallow examples. I, 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 would, I would just say, like, we know this to be true in... Um, in Say, say your favorite sports team. How many times have you heard as – I talked to Kentucky football. Now let's talk about a, yeah. a program in Kentucky that actually is good at something. Basketball. Um, how many times has Kentucky team been undefeated? They lose a game, and Cal says, yeah, it's probably good we lost one. Like, yeah. they needed that, right? A very shallow example. But we know that. We really know that to be true. Now there are certain people out there, ah, oh, I never want to lose a game. I'd, I'd rather learn lessons and win than, than learn lessons and lose. Yeah, sure. Either way – uh, no matter what side of that argument you stand on, there are lessons to be learned in tough things, right? Now, again, very shallow sports example, but what my encouragement would be to the believer out there who, who his circumstances are currently not good or comfortable or uh, joyful as maybe the world would define them is God is doing a good work in you. And remember what James said, like consider that pure joy because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And at the end of the day, what is more valuable? The, the gift of perseverance or comfort? Like, like what will actually serve you better in life? What would you, if I, I'll flip the question. If, you, if I was to give you a question for your, your, your child, for those of you who have kids, would you rather them be a person uh, as they grow that is known for their perseverance or people that live lives of complete comfort and never in conflict? Like, ask yourself that. Well, I hope that you would choose that you would want them to have the characteristic of perseverance. And the only way for that to happen is the messy stuff, is the tough stuff. Like the only way we get to the place of where we can truly call ourselves people that can persevere is we had to have actually persevered through something that was tough. So mm -hmm. consider pure joy um, in, in all things. God's working for those who love them. Like sometimes these are verses that we throw out there when guys are going through tough stuff, but they are true. Yeah, and it's funny because we want, <laughs> biographies aren't written about 
comfortable light, people. Yeah, light and fluffy people who never had any conflict. But we're That's not right. willing to give up comfort for that. But to your point earlier, the cost of discipleship, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, a, a walking in the faith, walking in life, fellas, you're going to experience sorrow. But we have one route, one access, one pathway to seeing that sorrow redeemed for joy, and it's Jesus. And I, I mean, I'm sitting on a stage with someone who has seen sorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have a book titled what? The Reason for Tears. The Reason for Tears, which I would encourage you to look up on Amazon. Uh, or maybe we just at some point we'll have you sit down and read it aloud to us. But <laughs> someone who sits next to me, yeah. we've had enough lunches to where like yeah. this isn't a, a facade. Yeah. Tony's not putting this on. The man yeah. is at peace. He I has am. joy. And that's not because he mustered up the strength, pulled up his bootstraps and is showing mm-hmm. off. It's because the God of the universe can redeem anything Amen. and is using him yeah. as a tool of that redemption in humanity. We need to keep chugging. Yeah, I, I would just say I've been through a season with my wife where she looked at me. It was such a beautiful, vulnerable moment. Never tell me this was good. Wow. Yeah. You know, like our child is maybe going to live. Our child mm-hmm. is maybe going to die. We've been it for three or four months. We've been sleeping in hospital beds. You know, there's moments where they're bringing his heart back to beating. And she looks at me and says, never <clears throat> tell me this was good. Because she knows how I, I'm wired, right? 11 years later, we know that to be good. You know, two years later, we knew it to be, you know what I mean? But in that moment, like, don't you ever tell me this was good. So that's a raw emotion. And what I would say is God welcomes that. Like we have a God that gets it, that, yeah. that, that suffered in every way that man has ever suffered. He welcomes, so don't run, don't, don't think that your questions and your hurt should take you away from God. God wants that, God welcomes that. Quickly, yeah. A, a quick example. I love tenants. I'm sorry about tenants. <laughs> yes, uh, a young man telling me, you know, God rules. I mean, too many regulations. You Leviticus, Exodus, and all of this. Mm. Uh, God would, do, doesn't give man chance to have fun. And so I knew that he played tennis. So I asked him if we could go play tennis. He laughed. He said, you don't know how to play. I said, I will learn. And so we get on the court, and he is just whacking the thing over the net and what have you. About five minutes, I said, can we remove the net? He said, without the net, there's no tennis. Without the net, there's no order. (laughs) That's how our lives is. Without God, there's no life. Mm -hmm. Without God. There's no order. That's good. So we'll, last two verses here. I've got a lot, I, there's a couple of things I'd like to ask you all in them. They mm-hmm. read, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. Um, but quickly, Jesus is saying, they're, they're asking him questions. And he's saying, through the atoning work that I'm about to do, you're going to be reconciled to the Father in a way that you can ask him questions in my name. And when he's saying, in my name, we, <laughs> names don't often mean as much as maybe they did a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. I just had a kid a couple of months ago, so um, <laughs> name meetings was a lot of my wife and I's conversation. But Jesus' name, Jesus Christ, is not like first name, last name. Jesus, Yeshua, has a meaning. Christ, meaning Messiah, has a meaning. This is the anointed one, God who saves. Deliverer. 
Jesus' name has a meaning. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, and we'll, we'll unpack this more next week because he says this several more times in the, in the upcoming verses. But he's saying, pray according to who I am. My name tells you I'm the, the chosen God who has come to save you. Pray in such a way that you're interacting with the appointed deliverer who has reconciled you to the Father. Uh, it's, it's our recognizing that Jesus is our, our way to who God is. So he's saying, not um, don't pray to him, pray to me, or pray to me, not to him. He's saying, this is how we pray now. In light of my death and resurrection, it changes the way that you can interact with the God of the universe. Um, but he goes on and finishes those verses saying that asking in Jesus' name will bring fullness of joy. That, the end of 24 there, that your joy may be full. Amen. Which I is would, a repeat from John 15. Exactly. And it implies that a, that a Christian's joy, because these guys will have seen and believed in this at this point, that it could be incomplete. Like, you believe Jesus died for you, but I've still got some lack thereof in joy, even though I follow him. Burke, what keeps us from fullness of joy in Christ? Um, I think the world, you know, the world asks us to put our hope in, in things other than, than Jesus. Uh, our, our hope uh, can be in possessions or titles or pursuits, um, comfort, retirement, you know, fill in the blank, politics. Um, and so that would be defined as idolatry and anything uh, that has our allegiance above Christ is, is an idol. Um, and, uh, you know, what I would just, would just challenge men, like, you know, Jesus came uh, that we would have life and have it to the full. Um, you know, God calls us to, uh, to, to uh, put our trust in him and he would give us the desires of our heart. Um, and I would just say as somebody that's, uh, my life story has put me in a environment where the world, I had everything at my fingertips that the world had to offer and just none of it, none of it lasts, none of it matters. It all fades. Um, it all spoils. Um, God calls us to a life of meaning, of purpose, of service. Um, and, uh, when we take him up on that, when we enter into that relationship, uh, there is a joy that I've observed in those that are living that to the full. Uh, that no thing, no pursuit of title or prestige can, can possibly equal. Um, and so uh, putting Jesus on the throne and letting our priorities flow from that, our time, our money, um, our passions flow from that, to me, that, that is how our joy is made complete. And that's, that's a great prompt to to pursue some introspection here because if fullness of joy is only found in Christ and you're experiencing a lack thereof let's do the hard work of seeing why and I would say you could do that a couple ways is where where are places I'm seeking joy but an easy way that we talk about this in here all the time in idolatry world which is to, to Chris's point anything that has replaced God on his rightful throne as your greatest love in idolatry's world uh what steals our joy often reveals to us what our idols are. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you, you, you know, rattled off a list there, but what, what makes you angriest right now? What leads you into sadness quickest? What allows you to move uh, into the, the context of fear? I think in our day and age, I mean, jump on Facebook for 15 minutes and it's cliche at this point to say it, but how many people do you know the politics are their God? And we can throw shame at them, but 
take a second, fellas. Who, what's reigning on the throne of my heart? And I would say that, that can be a big part of your discussion in groups today. And you might say, we've asked this a dozen times in here, and we're always going to. John Calvin says, <laughs> hearts are idol factories. That's the Christian walk, brother. The pilgrimage of being a Christian is i got to keep fighting uh, anything that seeks to take the throne of Christ in my life. That's like being a basketball practice to say, why are we practicing free throws again today? Like, we'll, we'll always practice free throws. We've never taken too many of them. Yeah. We're never good enough at making them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you okay with that? Yeah. In tennis, it'd be like our serves, right? Like, you yeah. can't be good enough at getting your first serve in. Yeah, You're never true. good enough at that. Yeah. What, if, what, if, what if you're just always bad at it? Uh, what do you have for that guy? Well, maybe a different game. <laughs> yeah, but, well, <laughs> I was just, uh, Peter, now looking back on this passage, I think, right to the Christians that were scattered. And men, we are undocumented aliens living in this world. And Peter writes in 1-3 that God have given us a living hope. Mm. Uh, you talk about UK football. Uh, they are hoping, but it's not living. You see? <laughs> This hope is not living, Come on, guys. you know, and so the season, Preach. Comes, here. Yeah. Preach, <laughs> so the season here. comes to an end. They are hoping again next year they will. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But, you know, it, they're always hoping, but this is a living hope in Christ. We went through a civil war. My life was miserable, but there was a living hope, a calming mm. of the spirit because I knew when he said, I would never leave you. Uh, even though I was discouraged, I was confused, but I knew his word. They said, you know, Hebrews, when he had nothing to swear upon, he swore upon himself. And that's the God we worship. And to, to your story, yeah. your hope was never in circumstantial change. No. That's something we got to be clear about is we, no. can, we can look at this passage and distort it and think, God's got something better than, for me in worldly terms, turning sorrow to joy. It, but in your case, it was... The joy of Christ. I go again to the three Hebrews boys in Daniel 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, know that we will not serve your God. Our God is going to save us. But if he chooses, if he chooses not, not to, to yeah. we're still going to stick with him mm -hmm. because this is living hope. And that loyalty is only bred out of his loyalty to us. Yeah, amen. The steadfast love yeah. all the Old Testament talks about is he's Everything. so loyal to us yeah. that we get to trust and be loyal to him. Yeah. Um, before I set you guys up for any other ways to beat me like a pinata for being a Kentucky football fan, we should roll out of here. But yep. looking back at this text, uh, I, hope, I hope we see, fellas, and are excited to discuss the, the way Jesus engages us in our confusion mm -hmm. as we walk and face the sorrows of the world, but also capture the reality that his death and resurrection is the only hope of redemption, the only mm -hmm. source of joy, not just for his disciples 2,000 years ago, but for... Uh, three men on a stage from three very different backgrounds with yeah. very different stories. Amen. Our joy is only uh, available because of his, his death and paying for our sins and his resurrection and bringing us into new life with Amen. him. Amen. I'll give you these questions and then I'll ask Burke to pray and we can go. These are discussion questions to talk about at your table. One, have you been confused about who God is? How did God interact with you amidst your confusion? Two, have you experienced or are you experiencing sorrow? What does this passage reveal about God's interaction with our sorrow? Three, do you have the joy that comes only with following Christ? What are some examples, if you're a follower, of how the Lord has brought out joy out of your sorrow? Uh, I wrote down lyrics to a, a little hymn here called Sweet Comfort, and I just want to say them real quick before we go. This bitter cup I take it, my fainting heart restored, 
So here I stand unshaken, I trust upon the Lord. Sweet comfort, sweet comfort, yet shall fill my heart. Sweet comfort, sweet comfort, sorrow shall depart. That's the reality we have in Christ. Burke, you want to pray? Yeah. God, uh, thanks for your word, and thanks for the that living hope that Tony talked about that we find only in you, God. Um, may we rest in that. May we declare that. May we uh, walk in victory knowing that uh, it is ours through your sacrifice, and may we do that humbly, God. May we, may we do that lovingly. Uh, so that the world would would know that hope, um, as as you as you deem that God, and so uh, we're just grateful for the joy that 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 you offer us, um, and I pray that would just be an overflow of our heart, God, that people would know us as joyful people, uh, uh, your image bearers, uh, and may our walk, uh, may our our words, uh, may um, the things that we choose to give our attention to. Uh, give people a glimpse of how much you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.